You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Welp. Man, that happened. That was a game of football, I guess. It was not great in any way, shape, or form for the Miami Dolphins, and it was the fourth such game, although, I mean, they did get the win in week one, so there's that. But here's the thing, Brain, and and, and for everybody out there, there's not. this is not going to be a show where we talk a lot about the specifics of this game against the Colts because, quite frankly, there's just not a lot to talk about because it was bad, and everybody knows that it was bad. And it is now, I talk all the time on this show about how football is a game in which people overreact to small sample sizes. Well, the Dolphins have now put a month's worth of football games on tape, regulation football games. And man, it's getting to the point where there's an identity forming and the identity is a feckless offense that can do almost nothing and a defense that has regressed more than just a little bit since last season. So it's a, it's a bad situation. And this was a team with playoff expectations as they came into the 2021 season. And it's just been quite frankly, bad and you know, but listen, we we did this whole thing a week ago where we talked about how we're not going to change the name of the show from the same old dolphin show until they prove that they're not the same old dolphins. And well, all all that we have so far is indication after indication that they are, in fact, still the same old dolphins. So we're going to be talking a lot about that today. We're going to be ranting about that a little bit today, but we also want to hear from you. So we put out a call earlier today on Twitter for folks to share their questions with us for the show. And for those of you who are watching the live stream with us here on Monday evening, we want to hear from you as well. So whether you're watching on the Dolphins Talk YouTube page, hello, YouTube. Hopefully you've subscribed to the page and turned on notifications so you know when we go live. If you haven't yet, do that. Very important. And then on top of that, uh, we're also on Facebook on the I'm a Miami Dolphin Facebook page. So you can comment there. We're also on Twitter. I, I think the, the, the comments aren't coming through, but make sure that you, uh, you, you, you tweet at us anyway at same old dolphins or at amplified to rock and at Aaron the brain at a Abron the brain and, and let us know what you think. And if you've got any questions that are on your mind as you are thinking about what, what has unfolded thus far this season, it has just been rough, rough, tough to watch. And brain, I know that you've got quite a bit to say about this and, and, and we're going to do that. But, uh, you know, I, I was hoping, I, I want to start here, because I was hoping that, you know, by the time 24 hours passed and we got down to sit here and do this Monday night, that, you know, I would have felt a little bit better, had some time to decompress. But then, then, we got Brian Flores's press conference on Monday. And he said that he is still evaluating potential changes, including the offensive game plan. But he says, I don't expect any wholesale changes. Uh, and these are tweets from Joe Shad, uh, who said, Brian Flores says he's not changing the play calling system. I like the system that's in place, Flores says. I like our process. We've had some good plans going in. We just haven't been able to execute the collaboration. Here's the thing. When a coach, when a head coach starts putting the blame 
on execution? That tells you, that tells you that there is a problem with the coaching. When they're telling you that it's execution, well, the planning is going well. All the plans are going right. It's just not, we're, we're, I like the way that we're preparing. I like the way that we're getting ready. It's just not happening on Sundays. We're just not putting it together. And it's like, whose fault is that? It's, you can't just blame it on execution. There is a coaching problem. There is an offensive uh, game plan and scheme problem. And yes, we can certainly get into the fact that Jacoby Brissett is checking down when he's got receivers that are wide open down the field and is, is, is electing not to go to them. We can absolutely talk about that. But there are problems above what the, what the backup quarterback, right? We know the backup quarterback is a problem, okay? But the problems are beyond that. And that is, and it's just, it's just so frustrating to hear this coach. And I'm sitting here going, man, how quickly we have gone from, wow, high expectations, playoff bound team to now suddenly we are back onto where we were with Adam Gase, where it's just like, okay, gotta go. And I, I don't know. I've like, I, and maybe the locker room hasn't yet, but I have lost a lot of faith in Brian Flores and what his plan is uh, this week. Okay. Look, Brian Flores does not get a pass. <laughs> That's clear. But if you're going to sit here and say that part of the problem is Jacoby Brissett having wide receivers running wide open down the field and not throwing the ball. Well, if he's got wide receivers running wide open down the field and he's not throwing him the ball... That's not really on the coach. <laughs> that's not really on the game plan. That's but it's not, not on an, the play. That's not, that's not on the thing. play call. That's not on the play design. That's on the quarterback. Now, the problem is, is that the Dolphins invested a lot of money to have a solid backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. And they determined that Jacoby Brissett was their backup quarterback. He was their guy. Uh, and they've seen him for two weeks now doing this, essentially not throwing the ball down the field until we're down by two or three scores in the fourth quarter. And then somehow we are in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden we're throwing the ball downfield. Guess what? They didn't just start running routes longer than 10 yards. Like, yes, maybe was there a more conservative game plan? I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. But they're not calling 40 passing plays or whatever and having, you know, all of the routes 10 yards and in. There are guys running down the field and Jacoby Brissett is not throwing them the football because Jacoby Brissett is checking down because Jacoby Brissett is a bad quarterback. And he should not be the starting quarterback I know he considers himself a starting quarterback, but he shouldn't even consider himself a starting quarterback next week because Reed Sinnott should be the starting quarterback next week. I've seen enough of Jacoby Brissett. He does some things nice. It's nice that, you know, he's this big body guy and he can take a lot of hits and he can make some things happen with his mobility when the play breaks down. Uh, and that, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, it's not getting you anything. It, it's getting you no offense until you're down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Now, as for the coaching, and as for Brian Flores, I don't give a damn about Brian Flores' press conference. Who cares? He's, he's from the Bell Belichick school of, I, I'm not going to say anything. What do you expect him to say? You expect him to say, we're going to fire our coordinators. We're going to make huge changes. He's not going to say that because then he's got to do it. Like, he's going to go he, right after the game. They haven't even looked at the film yet. So he's going to have his ideas and he's going to give you the milk toast answer at the press conference, whether it pisses you off or not. I don't even watch the press conference. I don't listen to the press conference. Why? Because you're not going to learn anything. You read a couple of blurbs in the, in the tweets or whatever, but it doesn't matter. What you learn is what you see for 60 minutes on the field. And what we've seen for 60 minutes for the last three weeks is a team that's not prepared, that's undisciplined, and that goes on Brian Flores. The bigger 100%. part of that goes on Brian Flores, you want to criticize coaching? You want to criticize the coaching decision, the decision to have these two guys as offensive coordinator? That's on Brian Flores. You want to criticize the fact that we haven't had an offensive line coach stick around for a season, that or more than a season? That's on Brian Flores. They have not gotten it right. 
And so Brian Flores does not get a pass. But where I'm at right now is that something has to change to ultimately send a message. And sure, you could fire one of your three offensive coordinators. I don't think that's making any kind of big difference. Um, but to me, what I would do is I would fire the guy that should have never been in the position. Well, that probably goes for the offensive coordinators too, as far as being in a position that they shouldn't be in. Uh, but the guy that's been in a position that he shouldn't have been in since 2016 and a guy that's been with this program, with this team, this franchise since the year 2000 and has had his fingerprints on the Miami Dolphins draft as the director of college scouting with this team since 2007 to now being the GM for 14 years we've seen the Dolphins have terrible drafts C drafts or below the talent is never there. We're always what, where, why do the Dolphins have no game breaking talent? Why do the Dolphins just have these average guys? And then we go out and we spend a bunch of money on free agency and, you know, it never seems to fill in the gaps and we're just papering over the cracks and it's the same old thing. It's literally why we're the same old Dolphins. Well, it's because we can't draft well. And I don't know why you'd expect things to change. When you've got the same guy doing it since 2007, he should have never been in this position to begin with. And now you're in a spot where he's, his seat is incredibly hot. It's on fire. He's going to get, his job is entirely on the line. And you've got three weeks, four weeks, uh, until the trade deadline. And this reeks of him making some desperation move to save his job. Well, I don't want Chris Greer in the position to where he can make some desperation move to save his job that might haunt us down the road. He's done enough. He's done enough. He's shown his his cards. We know what kind of talent evaluator he is. We know what kind of uh, team he's built. He's been here long enough. You know what he is. He's not a quality general manager. It is time to part ways with him. It is time to fire him. You fire somebody at the very top, it's going to send a very clear message. Nobody's job is safe. Everybody is being evaluated. And then you go out and... Whoever you bring in as GM, I'm giving them complete autonomy to evaluate Brian Flores, this entire coaching staff, this entire roster, because the fact is, is that this team is still in a place foundationally where it is one of the more attractive jobs in the NFL. You're, you have a, a team that has a ton of cap space, a bunch of young players, you may agree as to, may agree or disagree as far as how talented they are, but there's some talent here and most of it is young. Yep. There is young, multiple talent space, on this team. A ton of draft capital. It is time to make, to ensure that we bring in a GM that can use this and not, not going to have some GM that's in job save mode that goes out there and signs every big name overrated free agent next year. So that we can go to nine or 10 wins next year and then be screwed a couple years down the line after maybe we are manage out, manage to squeak into the playoffs once or twice. Maybe we actually win a playoff game because again, that is not the goal. The goal is to win, uh, consistently. It's to build a consistently, uh, championship contending team, something that we haven't had really since the Marino years. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're 100% correct. That is what they said in the in the press conference when Steve Ross introduced uh, Brian Flores and Chris Greer. He talked about building a team that was consistently a contender. That was what was talked about, right, as the goal. And here we are in year three of this rebuild, and things are just falling apart, failing spectacularly, right? I mean, you look at this team right now, and you look at the way things are going. And it just, I don't see how this is, how this season gets salvaged, right? There is a possibility. I mean, listen, we, we talked about how the, the goal of this season was ultimately to the biggest number one goal was to evaluate whether Tua Tungavailoa was the long-term answer at quarterback for this team. That's the overall goal this season, 
right? And I think that is still the goal. And if there's any silver lining to the start and to this, what the last four weeks have been, it's that it's now Tua's never going to have a better opportunity to come in and look like the guy. He's never going to have a better opportunity than to follow up this act that we've seen from Jacoby Brissett and this offense for the last three weeks. If Tua comes in and it looks exactly the same and things are exactly the same and it's just no good, there's your answer. But if Tua comes in and suddenly things are connecting and clicking and things are good, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for him to prove himself. Either way, this is a really bad situation that the Dolphins are in. And they and it's one that they found themselves in again, uh, have found themselves in before when Steve Ross was at the helm. It's a signature move for Steve Ross to have a GM and a head coach that ha- are floundering and then be faced with the opportunity to get rid of them and move on from them and bring in somebody else. And then what he's done in the past is, well, I'm going to give you this one more opportunity to to salvage things. And then they go out and they make the desperation signings and they're handing out bad contracts and overpaying for players. And, you know, it. and then it, it flames out spectacularly. Same old Dolphins uh, ad infinitum, right? So now we've got Steve Ross at a crossroads because dude is not getting any younger. And he says he wants to to win a championship. The team is still there. And we've seen, and granted it's a spectacular set of circumstances in Tampa Bay, but you took a team that was kind of an outside playoff team, right? They were a team that was just about on the outside of the playoffs. And then they brought in Tom Brady, who brought in some other talent because he was an attractive guy to play with. And suddenly they won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Dolphins are that close, but I am saying that Aaron Rodgers is a free agent at the end of this season. And we have a bunch of cap space. So we and we have a him. bunch of and cap I space. I think that that's, that is a valid place to look when you're evaluating the rest of this season uh, and you're deciding uh, whether or not Tua is the answer. If he's not the answer, you start looking elsewhere. And, you know, I think where we're at as a franchise, based on the way this thing has been built— yeah, you could draft somebody, but uh honestly, I think you would look at you would look around the league and you'd want to add a veteran to uh to a roster that you've built up with a bunch of young players. The problem is this offense needs to be able to block or no quarterback is going to want to come here as a free agent. Yes. Uh especially Aaron Rodgers. Uh right. because right now you remember the 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 team the other teams that he was looking at. I mean, one of those teams was the Denver Broncos. I mean, I'd much rather if I was Aaron Rodgers, first off, we know he wants to be closer to the West Coast. So Denver's got an advantage there. But also, Denver has a better team than the Miami Dolphins right now. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, the Dolphins are not the most attractive position, but it is a an organization that's going to have a ton of cap space so you could potentially you could bring in like an Aaron Rodgers you could bring in a left tackle I know we don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson but the fact is is that's still out there on the table and every time the Dolphins have you know uh, a game where their offense looks terrible the the Deshaun Watson rumors are going to heat up again and people are going to say well you know the, the people that are saying well Deshaun Watson wouldn't make a difference here uh because the offensive line is so bad I don't agree with that because he played in behind some horrendous offensive lines with the Houston Texans and he still man. The problem with, with Deshaun Watson is entirely the legal matter. Yes. Uh, at yes. this point, at this point, if, if Deshaun Watson had no legal matter, he would be a Miami Dolphin. Yeah. It, right. It would be a I, I think that's, a, that's a hundred percent correct. If there was, if there were no legal issues, he, based on the news and the reports that are out there, I mean, if there, if there were no legal issues, he'd be on the team already. He'd probably been on the team before the season started. Probably, probably. And so, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But here's the, so the question is, the Dolphins need to rebuild this team and they need to build this team up in a way to make it A, a contender and B, to make it an attractive destination for these free agent players out there. Cause you got, you ended up with, in a situation with Tampa Bay where you had guys taking discounts because they wanted to go play with Tom Brady. Right. So if you can bring in a quarterback along the lines in the offseason of Aaron Rodgers and look, this is not us giving up on Tua. OK, that that's not what this is a conversation about right now. I'm just saying if the choice is between Tua Tungavailoa and Aaron Rodgers, hello, that's not a con- that's not a that's not a difficult choice to make is what we I'm saying. We also have, you know, 
13 more games to to evaluate that's correct uh, to to figure this out and but the, but the point is is that you know Chua when he does come back he's got very little margin for error because we do have the cap space there are the the quarterbacks available uh and the the team the organization from the owner on down to the fans is extremely hungry and so Tua is is fighting this uphill battle you know it it's funny uh because i actually prior to this week and i mean it, it's not even like Tua has done anything to to change this because he's it's not like he's playing he's hurt uh but i actually was thinking a lot about the fact that Tua was compared a lot to Drew Brees in the pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, you know, Drew Brees' career. You know, and a lot of people forget that Drew Brees was drafted by the Chargers. And he was a second-round pick. And he, you know, there wasn't these huge expectations right out of the gate because he was not a first-round pick. But he had a very storied uh college career. And, you know, he... He did, you know, he was the first pick in the second round. So he was almost like, uh, like a first round pick. So he did come in with expectations and he had kind of an okay rookie year. Nothing to blow the doors, you know, you know, blow the roof off of anything. And then after his second year, people started to wonder, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is not necessarily the answer. So much so that the Chargers ended up drafting Phillip Rivers. Drew Brees, you mean? Yeah, who did I say? You said oh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees. That's who we're talking about. So anyway, uh, Drew Brees, you know, people were questioning so much that they ended up going out and they, uh, they drafted Phillip Rivers. And, you know, Drew Brees had, you know, a nice year with the Chargers, but it became apparent that they were going to, you know, eventually move on from him to go after, uh, Phillip Rivers, who they took early, you know, with like a, I mean, they essentially, they took Eli Manning and then they did that whole pick swap thing or whatever. So, and, and then Drew Brees went on to have this amazing hall of fame career. And so it, it's kind of a, a cautionary tale of reacting too quickly to a quarterback, particularly a quarterback that doesn't have these jump off the screen physical tools who needs to be you know needs to rely on his accuracy and his anticipation and his ability to to read what the defense is doing and really learn all of the nuances of the quarterback position which are all things that Tua uh you know was lauded for in the the pre-draft process because of his time in Alabama and so the, the Dolphins could really screw this up because I'll tell you what the Dolphins will do. The Dolphins will decide after Tua has another, you know, okay year, kind of takes a small step, but doesn't really, you know, have this major jump that everybody's expecting. And we'll, we'll trade him away so that we can bring in an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson. And then Tua will go on to have a Hall of Fame career. We'll go get Deshaun Watson and he'll end up in jail. That's just the way it goes with this. <laughs> that would be it goes hashtag same old Dolphin. And it, it, what it really comes down to, and like, if, I, I don't really believe in these things, but the longer this team <laughs> continues this same quagmire, I start to believe it. But Dolphin Stadium, man, it was a hard rock stadium. But even back when it was Joe Rod, it was built on an Indian burial ground. That's it. And they, they are built cursed, it on, man. They, they have built it on a burial ground and were cursed. Moved, since they moved out of the Orange Bowl. Yeah. It's a bad it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. And everything is bad right now. All of the vibes are bad around this team right now. And it's like there is there's not a lot that you can you can do about it. I mean, and there's just it's so it's just so painful to watch because you can see the pieces are there for this team you know the pieces are there i mean and listen it is very possible that the dolphins got listen the dolphins got a lot of turnover luck last year right and uh, to a certain degree turnovers are are fortunate you're getting the right bounces of the ball and the defense did made a lot of plays forced a lot of turnovers last year where they you know ended up scoring points and that allowed the team to win some games that they maybe otherwise shouldn't have won you know uh, that that game against the rams for example 
Well, we but kinda, they did. We kind of dominated that game, though. I well, mean, you I, could I, say what you want about turnovers, but we kind of dominated the game. But well, I mean, the point that I'm making is that turnover regret or turnover rate is not something that necessarily dictates or predicts what is going to happen in the future, right? Because you happen to have a lot of great luck with turnovers one year, does it necessarily mean that it's going to continue the next year? And what we said was that and defensive performance also doesn't necessarily predict future performance. If the Dolphins had a great offense, that's the kind of thing that you having a good offense one year tends to mean you're going to have a good offense next year. Not the same cannot be said when you look at the analytics of defenses, right? And what we're seeing right now is that the defense has regressed and it has regressed in a way that without, with the offense has also regressed, which is kind of awful to say. We needed the offense to take a step forward. The offense has actually also taken a step back. And again, it comes back to the fact that Chan Gailey was here and was basically run out of town. Right. Because, I mean, he was basically brought in to, to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's offensive coordinator. And then the Dolphins decided to go with Tua. And now we've got Godsey and Studisville who seem to have no idea what they're doing. Neither of them is apparently calling plays. Apparently, then you also have Charlie Fry, who's the one calling plays. And with all of these cooks in the kitchen, pardon my French, but nothing is fucking working. Yeah, we suck. We suck. We suck. And... We, 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 we somehow are surprised that we suck every year. We, we, we delude ourselves into thinking that each year is going to be different. But, you know, this team is, it, it's the same process. You know, they, they, they changed the process for a year. They, they tore everything down and then they went out. And they spent a bunch of money to bring in some guys on three to four year contracts only to watch all of those guys get either traded or released the following year. And then everybody somehow lauded Chris Greer for his flexibility and said, oh, this guy knows when he makes a mistake. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This guy was tasked with the most important rebuild in the franchise history. And he got a whole bunch of cap space and he went on a huge spending spree. And then he's admitting to you by releasing these guys a year later about what a mistake he made. And now we're a year later and we're talking about, well, we need to release this guy and we need to trade this guy. And what about like, and this guy's been here since he's he's had his hand his fingerprints on this thing since 2007 he should have never been in this position get rid of Brian Flores fire his ass i'm done i'm done fire him no more of this oh the offensive coordinator the you could have a million offensive coordinators if your quarterback sucks and your offensive line sucks you could have the best damn receiving core in the in the national football league and it doesn't matter you're still going to have three points through three quarters yeah, it's it's a it's just oh god, it's just I'm struggling to even find the words because it's just so frustrating and I'm exasperated thinking about this team because there's so much potential and it's like if you know your offensive line is bad, which you know, at at some point you have to look at it and go, my quarterback is not going to have time to throw the ball. So what can you do? Build a plan that, you know, incorporate that. You you can't just say, well, I'm going to have my quarterback drop back and try to throw the ball. You've got to figure something else out. You got to get your quarterback moving. You got to get out of the pocket. You got to do something. Granted, we've got Jacoby Brissett. So what can we do? Our hands are a little bit tied, but you've got to be able to figure something out. This offense is so bad. Here's the thing. You can actually run the ball. The Dolphins actually have proven that they have some ability to run the ball this year, but they just seem to be just like, it seems to be anathema to them for whatever reason they have the, when we're using a lot of $5 words on this podcast, you are. by the way, I mean, I used feckless before you used uh, something and now anathema. Anyway, the point is, the point is our vocabulary is better than the Dolphins is our football. I'm just, I'm just at a loss as to why this team can't figure out how to put, you know, two and two together to make four. It starts at the top. 
I mean, at the end of the day, you, you've got somebody at the top. The GM is the most important position on the football team. They're the one that sets the tone for how the team is going to be built. They evaluate the talent. They pick the players. The team is bad. The, the team is bad because the GM is bad. And it and then it goes down to the coach. And, you know, Brian Flores, I'm not sold is a big, you know, is the reason why this team is is, reg- is regressing. But he certainly isn't doing anything to stop it. And the, you know, the direction that the team is going, it falls on the coach, uh, when, especially when you're seeing the team make, you know, the mistakes that they weren't making the last two years. You wonder, you know, what is happening here? But then I also look again at decisions that were made with veteran players. They decided that they didn't need to keep, uh, you know, uh, Bobby McCain, who was a huge part of making sure, uh, of making sure that the secondary was where it needed to be and stable. You could say what you want about Bobby McCain and his, you know, shortcomings as a tackler, but Bobby McCain was the heart and soul of the, of the Dolphins secondary the last couple of years and Kyle Van Noy. You could say what you want about Kyle Van Noy and maybe they overpaid for him and maybe they saved a lot of money by cutting him when they did. But Kyle Van Noy would be making a big difference on this defense right now. And you're seeing that they got rid of these veteran players and you're seeing a lack of leadership. And all of a sudden you're seeing these stupid penalties, these these things that weren't happening. And you wonder... Well, well, what is it? You, do, you, do you really think that Brian Flores is not preaching this stuff, the stuff that he's been preaching since he's been here about, you know, the takes no talent and, and fundamentals? Do you really think he stopped preaching that? Cause I don't think that that's the case. I think what happened is you stopped having players holding players accountable because you got rid of the veteran leadership on this team and you're relying on the development of all of these younger players to become your new leaders. And the problem is the young players aren't developing. And who picked those young players? You guessed it, Chris Greer. It's time. It, it all it all trickles down from the top. It all goes to Chris Greer. And I just don't want, I, I hope, and I pray, first off, I hope that they make the move now before he does something stupid before the trade deadline. But assuming he doesn't do anything stupid before the trade deadline, I don't want this guy having this huge offseason that's this hugely important offseason. I don't want Chris Greer to be the guy making the decision. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think that's, I think that's right. And I think any Dolphin fan worth their salt needs to ask themselves whether they think it's right that Chris Greer be the guy that is in charge of this offseason. And, and speaking of Chris Greer, we, we had a, we got a good question that just came in uh, from Facebook here. And it is, it's from Chris Taylor. He says, do you think Brian Flores is frustrated with Greer's draft pick versus Flores picks? IG, he, a Tua over Herbert and that maybe Flores is deliberately putting a poor undisciplined product out there. I think maybe that's a little bit much, but I think the first part is something that is worth thinking about because, you know, word has come out fairly recently that said, you know, Tua was not necessarily the guy that that Flores was beating the drum for, and that he kind of, you know, eventually said okay to Chris Greer and and Steve Ross, but that Flores was, you know, much more interested in Herbert. Well, if you believe that Flores is deliberately putting a poor, undisciplined team out there, then uh, then yeah, that he should be fired today. Uh, but I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, I just think. I think everybody is frustrated right now. That's one thing I could say with absolute certainty. Nobody, nobody in that organization is happy right now. And Brian Flores is probably just as frustrated, if not more frustrated than anybody in that locker room and in that front office. But at the end of the day, you know, the questions are going to be asked, well, well, what does the team do going forward? And, you know, you're, you're, frustrated that Brian Flores said there's not going to be any wholesale changes. Well, look, four weeks into the season, you're not going to be able to make any wholesale changes. Are you going to pick up some scrubs off the roster? You think that's good? You're going to pick up a guy that's maybe going to replace your your seventh or eighth offensive lineman. You're going to bring in a guy that's going to be your like sixth, 
seventh defensive lineman, you know, fifth or sixth linebacker. You think that's going to make, it's not going to make a difference. We, we signed the guy off of the, off of the Saints practice squad to be our new backup center. Whoop-de-doo. That ain't going to make a damn, di- damn bit of difference. And there's not really anything that they can do. The team is the team, the, what the team is. At this point, Brian Flores is tasked with the challenge as he has the last two years of figuring out how to get this team to make a huge jump, uh, in their play after a slow start. Now, if you want any kind of silver lining, aside from just, you know, the fact that Tua will be back in two weeks, all you got to do is look at the last two seasons and at the way the Dolphins were playing at this point in the season over the last two years and realize they turned it around really, really quickly. Things You really just had to look at last year after they lost that game to, uh, I believe it was, was it the Seattle game? Yeah, I believe it was the Seattle game that dropped Miami down to one and three last year. And we were searching for answers and wondering how this team was going to turn it around. And then they won two games in a row. They were three and three going into the break. And all of a sudden, everybody was talking about how, you know, this team had had things moving in the right direction. And it just goes to show you how things can turn around really, really quickly. The problem is you don't really expect that when you've got to go to the Super Bowl, you get the defending Super Bowl champs next week. If you start one and four, I think you're pretty much screwed. Uh, This thing is over, in my opinion, as far as expecting this team to make some sort of run to the playoffs. I don't think this team is going to be a playoff team. They're just not good enough. And, you know, maybe some of that is coaching, most of it on the offensive side of the ball, but The bottom line is it's just not the team is not good enough to make the playoffs right now in the AFC. So really what it comes down to, you're evaluating like it does any year that you don't make the playoffs. It comes down to evaluating everybody. Evaluate what you got, which guys are going to be your long term answers and your foundational pieces. And what do you have to do to continue building that foundation? This team is obviously in a much better situation than they were in. Uh, a few years ago when they tore this thing down to the studs and they're in a better situation than they were at before, before they tore this thing down to the studs. There's, like I said, there's a lot of young talent on this team. Sure. A lot of it's got to mature and grow and some of it is not going to work out. Uh, but they've got a lot of young talent. They got a lot of cap space. They've got a lot of cap flexibility and they have a lot of draft capital. So there's still a lot of reasons to be positive about the direction of this team in the future. You just can't feel good about the guy making the decisions right now. And until they change that, you shouldn't feel good about it. You should just expect that it's going to be the same crap year after year after year. And don't get excited when the Dolphins go on a little bit of a winning streak in the middle of the season when the, when the schedule gets soft and think, oh, okay, you know what? Chris Greer is doing a good job anyway. It's time to, no. You've seen enough now. Make the move now. Fire his ass. And that's what, uh, that's what Angry Al has to say. Angry Al says fire Greer. And I think you make a good point. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, like, and that is, I think, a good thing to say to those who are just despondent and have, you know, no kind of idea of where do I I've got 13 weeks of football left in this season do I just stop watching I mean basketball season's around the corner preseason heat game is on right now you got hockey starting up you know baseball playoffs but you know if you if you want to watch what do you watch here and I I think the thing to say is is this yeah last year you know Dolphins were one and three and we're going on the road to the home of the defending NFC champions they ended up blowing them out of the water in that game. A team with uh, that was beat up in their secondary, and the Dolphins went into the team that was beat up in their secondary, and they lit the 49ers on fire. Well, this we- this year they're going to travel to Tampa to take on a t- the Super Bowl champions, but a team that is very beat up in the secondary. Now, I'm not expecting in any way, shape, or form that this team is going to turn around, but you're saying there's a chance? Listen. I'm not not holding my breath. The Dolphins are going to get boat raced uh, next weekend. But, you know, looking at it, if you need something to look at, again, the table is set perfectly. 
for the Dolphins to spend the rest of the season evaluating Tua. Like, you're certainly going to be able to, he's going to get every little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he could possibly get coming in for the rest of the season based on the performance of Jacoby Brissett, right? He's going to be the guy, so let's see what you got. So there's that, and then the continued evaluation of this offensive line, and can they eventually improve and put it together? Can we eventually get Will Fuller and his broken finger back into the lineup to see what he is capable of? Because maybe he's a guy that you can include in this story going forward. I mean, basically what you're looking at is you're back in evaluation mode. And it's like, who are the guys, who are the guys that are going to be the pieces that you continue to move forward with? And who are the guys that you would need to move on from? And you need to make that decision. But as you said, the biggest question of all is, is the person who is going to be making all of those decisions the right person? And if it's Chris Greer, he's not the right person. And I think that is abundantly clear at this point. And not only is he not the right person, but he's not the right person. And he's going to be, if he's around next year, he's going to be on that. He's going to be a lame duck. He's going to be in that situation where he's got to win now. And that is not what you want. You don't want your GM to be in a position where he knows that he has to be in job save mode to make decisions that are going to impact the team for the next four or five seasons. So if you're already in that mode where you're saying, well, I'll give him one more year. If you're saying I'm going to give my GM one more year, it's time to fire him. Yep. You, you, if you want your, if you have a GM, you're, you have to feel confident that your GM is going to be there for at least three years. And if you have lost faith that you can rely on him for three years to the point where you're like, well, I'll give him one more season. It's already over. It's already done. And that's where we're at with Chris Greer. It's time to cut, cut, rip off the bandaid now and, and just be done with it. Have the rest of the year to not just evaluate the talent that you have on the roster, but to go out there and put a, and do a legitimate search for who your next, whether it's president of football operations, football czar, GM, whoever it is going to be, do a legitimate search now so that you have that person in place as early as possible and you give them complete autonomy on the, the, the head coach, the roster, the draft, free agency, everything. And you let them build this thing uh, because the longer you leave Chris Greer around, the longer you're waiting to just be convinced otherwise that oh, maybe he's worth another year. Uh, so I just you, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. And if that means and if that means firing Brian Flores because he doesn't jive with the new GM, so be it. So be it. I mean, Brian Flores might be a good coach. He, he might not be. We, we don't know, but he hasn't done anything to prove that, like, he's, he's not Don Shula. He's not untouchable. So, like, you know, it, this, this team is struggling right now and he, it's, and Brian Flores is part of the problem. I, 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 yeah, I'd agree. I like Brian Flores. I still think Brian Flores can be a really good coach. I don't feel the same about Brian Flores as I did about Adam Gase and, uh, and Joe Philbin. That might change if you ask me in a couple of weeks. But right now I, I like Brian Flores, but at the same time, for the sake of having a clear vision at, at the top and clean and cleaning house, I wouldn't have a problem with it because if you fire Greer and you bring in a new GM and they want to bring in their guy, let's just do it. Don't, don't do this whole thing where you're saying, well, I'm going to bring in a new GM, but they've got to work with Joe Philbin as the head coach. They got to work with Brian Flores as the head coach. No, because that's how you limit yourself and you end up with a mediocre general manager. You want the best general manager? You give him full autonomy. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, somebody was asking there. So do you think you, 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 you fire Greer and then give Flores another year. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's fire Greer. And if the guy who comes in wants to work with Flo, then great. He can work with Flo. If the guy comes in and says, no, I've got another coach in mind, then see you later, Brian Flores. Thank you for your contribution. And, uh, you know, best of luck in your future endeavors. And that's kind of, that's kind of that. Give right? the GM that, give whoever that GM is, give the, give that GM the power. 
That that GM, if that GM comes in and they say, hey, I really like Chris Greer. I think Chris Greer is a great head coach. Fine, as long as they jive well together. But don't have it be this prerequisite like they did with Joe Philbin when they brought in a GM where they said, well, we, we're looking for a new GM, but they have to be okay with, we're not firing Joe Philbin. No, 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 no. Yeah. You bring in the GM and you give the GM full autonomy. And if Brian Flores is his guy, then Brian Flores is his guy. And if, if it's not, then you let him bring in his guy and that's fine. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the right, I think that's the right move. Listen, we've got a question here that I, uh, that came in earlier today and I, I think it's worth looking at because I, I have my doubts that Steve Ross is going to cut Chris Greer loose in the middle of the season. As much as I would love to see that be a move that happens now, I just don't think it's going to. I think it's going to be something that happens at the end of the season. So here is a question from at MoldyMuffin99. Realistically, what record would the Finns need to post in order for Ross to pull the trigger on firing Greer? I think sub 500. I think you go eight and nine. This was a team that had uh, playoff aspirations uh, they won 10 games last year. I could see a scenario. I would hate this scenario, and this would be such a same old Dolphin scenario, that this team manages to go 9-8. and eight, And then everybody says, well, this it started shaky, and you had uh, an injury to Tua, but things kind of came around, and they ended up having a winning season. And even though it wasn't quite as good as it should have been, we could give him one more year. I could see that happening if they have a nine and eight season. I, in fact, if they go nine and eight, I'm telling you that's going to happen. Oh, Jesus. This team needs to have a losing record almost to the point where we're at right now. Short of this team making some miraculous run and making the playoffs. What I'm hoping for right now is this oh. team having a losing record just oh. so that we can get rid of Chris Greer. Oh God. Well, I mean, that's listen, if if we're gonna have a losing record, that's the kind of thing to cheer for, I guess. I just I can't believe you know, we're at that thing though. This is where it's like we're getting the worst of both worlds because we might have a losing record, but we don't have our own draft pick. Our draft pick is dependent on what the 49ers do. Now, granted, Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt and Trey Lance didn't look great. So maybe there's a world where the, the 49ers don't end up with a great record either because they certainly look like kind of the weakest link in the NFC West at the moment. But, uh, you know, that being said, I, I God, I hate the idea of going back to a, a world and where we, the team is just I, I can't go back to actively, you know, wanting the team to lose like it was when we were tanking for that first first round pick. Well, the but, fact is, you know, you you there are reasons that. You know, you want the team to look good. Obviously, you want Tua to look good. You want this offensive line to gel together. You want to see your foundational pieces make strides. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that if those things happen, then they're probably going to win games. But at the same time, and, and this is all why they need to make the move now. Because they need to just make the move now so that they don't end up putting themselves in this spot. But it, you know what? It, it, it doesn't matter because it's going to happen. It, like I, I'm completely resigned. It's going to happen. This Ugh. team is going to win some games in the middle of the season. They're going to play better. They're not yeah. going to make the playoffs, but they're going to end up having a positive spin on this to the point where Stephen Ross's MO has always been give it, waiting one year too long to make a move. And we're going to go into next year with Chris Greer on the hot seat and he's going to make a whole bunch of stupid signings. It's going to yeah. happen. It, it, yeah. it happens every four years. Well, this is, that's the same old dolphins thing. That's what they do. That's the, the hashtag same old dolphins. You know, this is what they do. Got another question here that came in from uh, our friend at three kids are blessy. The most concerning thing about the start of the season, still a long ways to go is the undisciplined team. We're seeing that starts from the head coach. Do you think he's losing the team? Sorry, I was reading this comment by Mike that we'll, I want to talk about again. Read that question by Three Kids Are a Blessy again. He says, the most concerning thing about the start of the season, still a long ways to go, is the undisciplined team we're seeing. That starts from the head coach. Do you think he's losing the team? I think the defense is quitting a little bit, to be perfectly mm. honest. Mm. I think the defense 
is frustrated at the play of the offense to the point. And I think that starts with X that you see, you've seen X have these like lapses and you kind of saw this a couple of years ago after he signed his big contract uh, that he really wasn't having a great start to that season. And then of course he got hurt and they shut it down. Uh, but I think that's what's happening here. And again, that goes to veteran leadership. Where is it? Your, your, yeah. your best player is X. You got rid of Bobby McCain, who was your leader back there. You got rid of Kyle Van Noy, who was a big time leader and was brought in to really set the tone and, and be a leader on that defense. And they're not there. And so I feel like it's a front running bunch. I feel like it's a bunch that, uh, things, things start to go sideways and they're not able to stem the tide. Uh, yeah. I think that's more on the players than it is the coach. Ultimately, it's Brian Flores' job to find a way to get them to buy in and to get them not to quit. Uh, but I think that's part of the issue there is I think that the, there are guys on this team that are, that they're starting to lose. They're starting to lose the, their mentality. They're starting to lose that buy in. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, but yeah. I want to get into this uh, comment here by Mike uh, because I could not disagree more with this. And, and I love Mike and I'm sure like he'll love the fact that I'm disagreeing with him so vehemently. To, he said, I, I don't disagree with Aaron on anything he's saying, but they aren't firing Greer or Flores. They will strip them of power, put a VP over them. I don't think they will fire them even if they go three and 14. What is the point of putting a VP over them, stripping them of power? You want to strip them of power? Fire them. That is, that what, what do we need them to, to stick around and not have any power? What's the point? So we could do that for another two years and then decide, well, what we really need to do is clean house, which is what we should have done a couple of years ago. No, 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 no. You, if you're going to bring in somebody to take their power away, just freaking fire them. I can't just fire. That's it. That's it. That Love the you, brain has spoken. Please fire them. That's that's fair. We had a quite we also had a question brain that was more of a uh oh somebody's asking should we go get Watson? I well listen, I I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. In a vacuum, absolutely. I would say go get Deshaun Watson, but in the world that we live in where Watson has all of this tied up with all of the nonsense that is going on off the field, uh, it speaks to the character of the person. And quite frankly, it's the, the risk reward is, is too great. You know, you, the, given the amount of capital that you'd have to give up to bring a guy like that in and then risk the possibility of him never being able to play for your team. It's just not a worthwhile thing to do uh, at this point. If we're really desperate for a QB and we get through the season and it's clear that two is not the guy that uh, you can make a full court press for, for Aaron Rodgers, And maybe you don't miss out the way that we did on Peyton Manning. Maybe you can do enough to, to lure Aaron Rodgers in and you can get a handful of great years out of Aaron Rodgers, uh before, before he hangs it up. I think that would be the move that I would, make that is preferable of the two. I, I'm not really feeling the Watson thing just because of what is going on. Listen, like I said before, in a vacuum, without all of the off-field nonsense, absolutely give me Deshaun Watson. But with all of the stuff, with all of the baggage that he brings along with it, it's just not not a move I can get behind at this point in time. Now, if it happens and he's our quarterback, you know, I, well, I'll figure out a way to, you know, to, to cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, I, it's not a move that I can I can support. Um, I did want to get to another question that we got in about Austin Jackson. This is actually actually a football question. We've been talking a lot of higher level stuff here, but considering that Jackson should be on the street right now, what would be what would be your starting offensive lineup from now on, Bryn? Um, I would go Eichenberg at left tackle. Imagine uh, that. Imagine playing a guy at his natural position. Yeah, I would go Eichenberg at left tackle, uh, the right tackle spot. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe Jesse Davis. I may, I may be inclined to try Austin Jackson at guard. I mean, sure. I, I may be inclined to try it. Why not? Uh, obviously center is an issue here. Obviously we're, you know, Dieter is hurt. 
so you're probably going to go Mance there. Uh, right guard, I, I go. Actually, you know what? At right tackle, I'm putting Robert Hunt. I'm, I, I ultimately agree that Robert Hunt's highest ceiling is inside at guard, but we got no tackles. And Robert right. Hunt did a nice job at tackle last year. So put, put Robert Hunt back at right tackle. And then, you know, you can play, you know, maybe you can play Kindley at right guard. You can give Austin Jackson a shot at left guard. Uh, and then, you know, you, you've got some talent on that offensive line and you see, you see what it can do. <laughs> There's a million different ways that you can shuffle it. At the end of the day, the players aren't that good. So it doesn't really matter. It's not going to be good no matter how you shuffle it. You know, right. you can have and, a, you can have a hand of garbage in, in, in poker. It doesn't matter with what direction you shuffle the cards. It's still garbage. Yeah. That's right. You can move them around and you can look at them. It, it is what it is at the end of the day. And there's not a lot that you're going to be able to do with it. So, uh, brain, any, let, let's look at it this way. You know, there's 13 games of football left. So try for me, try to, try to make a positive case for what the rest of the season could hold. Look on any given Sunday, <laughs> on any given Sunday, any team can beat another team in this league. The the New York Jets just won a game this week against the against the Tennessee Titans. I don't think anybody would have picked that. The Dolphins could win next. I, I'm not picking it, but the Dolphins could could go into Tampa and they could win a game. It's not. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing to ever happen. Sure. And if they do, they're going to be two and three, the same as they would have been if they would have beaten the Colts and then lost to the, to the Bucks. And then we're going to be right in that same spot where the schedule softens up and they could go on a run. That's way easier to see happening if the Dolphins do manage to beat the Bucks. Because if they manage to beat the Bucks, then you're going to look at the next nine games and you're going to say, well, this team just went into Tampa and beat the Bucks. Why can't they go six and three or seven and two out of the next nine games and be right there at the end of the season in the playoff race? You want to make a positive spin? It's there. That's, that's where it is. You also have the fact that Tua is, is going to be back in a couple of weeks. We've seen how bad Jacoby Brissett is. I would like to see Reed Sinnott get some action, at least at practice. I'd like to see this be an open competition because from everything that we've seen, Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. Yeah. And Reed Sinnott, I think, has done enough in his limited playtime in the preseason to at least be warranted an opportunity to compete. Yeah. So I, I think Reed Sinnott deserves a chance to compete for the job to start this Sunday. And I think that it might spark the team. You know, people people mock that and they say, well, Reed Sennett, he's got like a rag arm, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know who else had a rag arm, but who had, you know, a good understanding of how the game, how the quarterback position could be played and took chances and saw things and had good anticipation and played pretty damn well and won some games for the Dolphins at starting quarterback? Matt Moore. Yeah. Reed Sinnott could be your Matt Moore. Reed Sinnott is never going to be a franchise quarterback in this league, but he could be a guy that comes in and energizes you and plays well enough to win you a football game. And that is what the Dolphins need right now. They need to win one football game. Because if they win one football game this Sunday, it changes the outlook of the entire season. It does. And I, again, I'm not holding my breath and saying that that's something that I, I expect to happen, but it's, uh, it is a situation that if it could happen would, would absolutely help the psyche of, of everybody, you know, that cheers for this football team. And, and don't get it twisted because I see somebody out there who's making a comment that why can't people support this team? And like, this is the thing. We do support this team. We love this team. We want nothing more than this team to succeed. But we've seen the same old story over and over and over again. And it's, it's not pretty. And when you, when you see the same thing over and over and over again, it's a pattern. And when you recognize a pattern, you've got to do something to break out of that pattern, right? That's what you've got to do. And so as we look at this situation, and we see that 
the Dolphins are struggling. I, I we're, we're in desperate need of finding another a positive spin to put on things. Something that I would put forward is uh, just another thing is we're because that's where we are, right? We're we're so deep in the valley of despair right now. Something that I would point out is that we've seen approximately eight snaps of the Dolphins offense as it was originally envisioned for this season, right? Because Fuller didn't play the week, the first week, and Tua was out there for eight snaps before he was destroyed in that Buffalo game. And and granted, you know, Buffalo proved to be a matchup that was really, really difficult for us to deal with. And they've been a matchup that has been difficult for a lot of teams to deal with. So if you're looking for a positive, it's that maybe you we have we still haven't seen this offense do what it's supposed to do with the people that we're supposed to do it with. So maybe there is a maybe there's a positive there. But as I'm sitting here and I'm watching it right now, you know, if I'm trying to be positive, there's a long way to go and anything anything can happen between now and then. But, you know, it's it's pretty dark at the moment. I mean, at this point, if you're expecting Will Fuller to come in and, and actually be on the field uh, and, and make a big difference on this team, uh, you better have the PEDs ready for him. Yeah, I mean, because that's apparently the only thing that's been able to keep him healthy, which is a troubling sign. But at least it was only a one-year deal. So Chris Greer, he doesn't get the best talent, but he structures the contracts well. Yeah. Hey, at least he's doing that. At least he's got that going for him. So so good for him. We'll have cap space every year, and then every year we'll structure those contracts really well. We'll get no talent out of it, so we'll be in the same spot the following season. But we'll be able to get rid of those players the following season so that the following year we'll have the cap space again so that we could re- you know, you know, start the cycle over again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there it is. That's where we're at. Uh, we will take a <laughs> laughing to myself because I'm thinking about us trying to preview the Dolphins Bucks game later this week. And uh, <laughs> that's going to be it's going to be tough based on everything this team is showing us so far. It's going to be really tough to take a look on Thursday and try to figure out you know, try to find a way that the Dolphins defeat the the Bucks, but basically, here's here's what it's going to boil down to, which is the same thing that it always da- is comes down to: is the Dolphins are going to need to play a perfect game, their best possible game. It's going to need to be perfect, and they're going to need to hope that the Bucks have an off day, and that's basically the only way that the Dolphins come out of Tampa next week with a win. But we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. Uh, we're going to do that in. Uh, on Thursday when we do this, listen, I'm realizing brain, we're almost to the end of the episode. I haven't done a manscaped read yet. Yeah. And the fans, uh, the fans are the ones that reminded us we got, we got so angry. We forgot to shave our balls. We got so mad. So here, allow me to dive into this incredible, incredible new, uh, ad read from manscaped. You ready for this? Hold on. Wait, I'm going to, re- I'm going to put up the graphic here. So that everybody's and and those of you who are tuning in, like get ready because this is this is some excellent verbiage that they provided for us here. Ready? Here we go. Ah! Ow! Oh my God! Ah! Oh no! It's a bloodbath in here. There's got to be a better way to get my dagger clean and shiny safely than this. This is what I used to deal with when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping my dagger slick and ready for wherever the night takes me. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. How's that? How's your dagger over there? Uh, Well, it's clean and shiny, thank you very much. And slick. And it's also slick. Thanks to the liquid formulations of the crop reviver and the ball toner and all the gimmicks that they got over there at Manscaped. Listen, folks, if you're, if you're looking to, to take care of business below the waist, you got to head over to manscaped.com, use the promo code Dolphins Talk. You're going to get 20% off. You're going to get free shipping and you're going to have a clean dagger. So, I mean, what could be better? What could be better than having a clean dagger? You know? You know what I mean? Talk about your happy dagger. Uh, it's, uh, listen, my, my dagger is a lot happier than, uh, than dolphin fans right now. So 
That's what you want to do. You want to go to Manscaped, use the promo code DolphinsTalk, get 20% off, get free shipping. You want to go to BetUS, you want to use the sign-up code DolphinsTalk, get 125% sign-up bonus, and hopefully you're taking the advice of uh, of us over on uh, Pick 6 with David Behrman, which is on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, which you should all be subscribed to. You should also be subscribed to the the same old dolphin show on apple podcast spotify stitcher everywhere you get your podcast that's what you should be doing if you haven't done it yet there's still time to go out there and do it so do it it helps us out we appreciate it and if you leave us a five-star rating and a positive review we would appreciate that very much as well all right that is going to do it for this episode of the same old dolphin show so thank you for joining us as we vented and we dealt with uh the the bad feelings that were kind of digesting right now but hopefully things will turn around soon hopefully because it's getting getting difficult over here but we'll be back thursday to preview the next game and we'll do our best to keep our chins up and stay happy and listen sometimes folks you just got to do something else don't pay attention to the dolphins it's okay it's okay Watch some sometimes Real Housewives. You, sometimes you can go watch Real Housewives with the brain. You can watch Ted Lasso. You can watch What We Do in the Shadows. You can watch. Uh, you can watch your pro wrestling. Your AEW is really good right now, folks. So uh, you know if you're if you're into the pro rest, check out the uh, AEW. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Don't don't watch WWE. You'll pull your hair out just as much as if you were watching the Dolphins. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that, everybody. So thank you for joining us on the same old Dolphin show. We'll talk to you again next time. Take care of yourselves and each other. And as always, I mean, always. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're